0: factors not available in all. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: Dream from a
2: John Bunyan paints this incredible picture in the story of Christian in Pilgrim's Progress. He lives in the city of destruction. He is reading a book, and there's a heavy burden on his back. And as he opens the book and he reads, he weeps and he trembles. And he cries out, what shall I do? The conviction found in that book regarding the destruction of the wicked, the destruction of his city and his family are so disturbing to him that he cannot rest. He cannot be distracted. He must find a way of escape And finally, a man comes called Evangelist. An Evangelist begins to tell him, Run! Run toward that light on the far distant hill. And there you will find a gate. Enter in at that gate. Of course, we know from Scripture, that's the narrow gate Jesus spoke of in the Sermon on the Mount. But now he begins to run. And two friends tried to dissuade him. Tried to pull him back and say, Don't do this. You're being foolish. You're throwing away your life. Your family. You must not be this way. And so they chase him down. They stop him. They try to convince him. One is named Obstinate. Haven't you met Obstinate? Obstinate always has criticism. He's always there to tell you why you can't do what God is calling you to do. Obstinate is always there to maintain the status quo and not move forward in righteousness. Often churches are filled with Mr. Obstinate you try to bring revival to a church and Mr. Obstinate steps up and gives you all the reasons why you cannot bring revival in that church. It will make people mad. Well, you know, when there's revival, when we even begin to speak about revival, there is the presupposition that if a church needs revival, it's backslidden. And of course, to be backslidden as a church means people are no longer earnest in reading the Scripture, in praying, in witnessing, in saving the lost. You know, a man is backslidden or a woman is backslidden when they're not spending time in the prayer closet, they're not crying out to God, they're not weeping before the Lord. How can we live in this wicked place of destruction? and have no compassion and no sympathy and no feelings for the lost a dear woman who works at a starbucks we keep speaking with her and she says you know what I'm a sinner and we answer but you don't always have to be a sinner you can be made righteous no I worship the pagan gods I'm not interested I'm a lesbian no you're a you're a woman and god's calling you and he loves you and he wants to make you righteous no enough of that well you always have those who are not interested in the lost who have no compassion for a young woman like this they want to just do church keep it comfortable keep it inspiring keep it uplifting but if the church needs revival it's backslidden it's failing it's going under or it's just treading water I'm not interested at this point in my life in treading water being acceptable being calm and quiet and not dealing with the lost and not dealing with the reality of the condition. So Mr. Obstinate decides he's going to turn back. He's not going to argue any more with Christian. But Mr. Pliable, oh, now here's a man. Mr. Pliable will bend with the wind. Whatever the latest word is, that's what he's going to go with. And so he says, oh, you mean all of these wonderful things can be mine if I come with you? Yes! Well, I'm coming with you, Christian. So he sets off with Christian. The problem is, he has no burden on his back. Instead, John Bunyan is pointing out that a man who has no burden, no recognition of his sin no conviction in his heart regarding his unrighteousness. That man will quickly turn back when times get difficult. And times got very difficult very quickly, because as they're talking, as they're fellowshipping, as they're walking together as two people on pilgrimage, they fall into the swamp of despair, of despond. Well, what is that? That's all of the human effort that has always failed. That's always the struggle to be more than I am, but I fail. It's human effort. It's all of the accusations of the past. It's all of the judgments leveled against a person in the past. And they all come flooding back and they all come with condemnation with judgment, with bitterness, with anger. Have you been judged by someone you love? Hurts, doesn't it? Written off by family? Hurts, doesn't it? Yes. But if you recognize the burden on your back and you're determined to find a way to remove that burden or you recognize the burden on your brother or sister's back and you're determined to bring them to a place where that burden can be removed and the sin can be forgiven and the redemption can take place, then you will fight through the swamp of despond with prayer and with tears. You will fight through it. Mr. Pliable, on the other hand, He says, oh, if this is what the journey is like, I'm not going to go with you. I'm going back to the city of destruction. It seems like the safest place right now. And so Bunyan paints the picture of, of Despond going back. But he paints the picture of Christian, who is being forced under the water by the heavy burden of sin on his back in that miry swamp crying out for help, and in the story of Pilgrim's great distress, a man by the name of Help comes and offers him a hand, and sends him on his way to the narrow gate. Well, there's a scripture that this reminds me of. It's found in Psalm 84. Let me read it for you. Psalm 84 I'll begin with verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Baca in the Hebrew means weeping, tears. So, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage, who have said, I will go on the journey. I am going to get rid of this burden on my back. I will be set free. I must live a new life. And they set their hearts on pilgrimage. Now I can tell you, out of my own personal walk, when you set your hearts on pilgrimage you are on your way to the valley of weeping you are on your way to a place of tears because you're going to need to repent and repentance means giving up my whole life Everything that I am. Everything that I've ever hoped for. Everything that my heart has desired. It means giving up who I am. My life, my time, my money. It means I'm going to give everything into the hand of Jesus Christ. And that is a place of grieving and weeping over the loss of my life. But. It goes on, they make it a place of springs. This is in the desert. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rain covers it with pools. Now the autumn rain in Israel is that rain which comes to make the planting of the crops possible. Because their growing season is in the winter, not in the summer. In the summer, the hot sun burns everything brown, but in the fall, the fall rains come. And it prepares the soil then for the planting of the crops. And it says they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So Psalm 84 is literally describing the way a person must move forward with that burden on the back. There is a determination set in the heart, I will go on pilgrimage. I will take the journey to becoming righteous and holy before God. I will pay whatever price is necessary to get right with God. I will not turn aside for any inconvenience. There will be nothing that will deter me or stop me from getting right with Jesus. That means you've set your heart on pilgrimage. On the journey, and you will go through the valley of Baca, the place of weeping and repentance and getting clean before Jesus. You will be crucified with Christ. And then it will become a place of springs. The rains will come that you could plant the crop, a crop of righteousness. And as this happens, you stop going from failure to failure and you begin going from strength to strength until finally you are brought face to face with Jesus in glory. Now, a key part of this journey of pilgrimage is spoken of in Psalm 27. I have this psalm so dated and so marked. It has meant everything to me. Let me read for you parts of it. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the light in the darkness. He is my salvation. Then it says, The Lord is the stronghold. Literally, in the Hebrew, it is saying, The Lord is my fortified place of protection. A stronghold, a fort, a place that is protected from the enemy. The Lord is the place where we run. We run to Jesus. How do we do that? Time in Scripture. Time in prayer. And then doing exactly what the Lord has directed us to do as we have read the Word of God. As we obey the Word Jesus speaks to us out of the Scripture I would encourage you, read the Sermon on the Mount. Read First John. You'll find all through the New Testament very specific direction regarding how you are to live and how you are to behave. You will find lists of sins that you are to leave behind. You will find a new man to put on and exactly what it looks like in colossians to put on that new man when evil men verse 2 advance against me to devour my flesh that's the niv translation literally in the hebrew it means when evil men advance against me to slander me but what is slander lies spoken it doesn't even matter if the person speaking the lies believes the lie. It's still slander and legally would be considered as slander. He's saying evil men advance against me to slander me. When my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Why will they stumble and fall? Because the man of God is not going to turn to the left or to the right He is going to continue directly in the path in which he has been instructed to go. And people can believe whatever lie they choose to believe. They can listen to whatever slander they choose to listen to. It is not going to affect the man or woman of God. They are undeterred by any kind of criticism. They are going to go straight forward following the commands of the Lord God of heaven verse 3 though an army besiege me my heart will not fear though war break out against me even then will I be confident if you've lived very long you've had times when war broke out against you when people tried to undercut you when people cut you off when people separated from you When people cursed you, judged you. I've experienced all of those things. But my heart will not fear. No, let me tell you how it works. You wake up in the morning and the fear has come down upon your heart and you're terrified. You don't know how you'll make it through the day. You don't know how you'll pay for what needs to be paid for. You don't know what way to turn. Everything seems to be dead end. There seems to be no possibility of redemption. What do you do? You go to your stronghold. You go to the prayer closet. You sit with the Lord and you begin to read the word of God you let him direct you in where you are to read and as you read you begin to pray those scriptures aloud you begin to stand Lord your word is true and you stay in that prayer closet and you stay in that stronghold until the fear is defeated and you stand by faith in the word of God and then you don't leave the stronghold you move out into your day's labor and you don't leave the stronghold. You do not allow the fear to reign over your heart or over your life. You constantly now are resting in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what the war is. It doesn't matter that it looks like everything is destroyed. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're in the stronghold of God. And... When you're in that place, that stronghold of God. Verse 4 One thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What is the house of the Lord? It is the stronghold of God. It's where you're living. It's where you fled to in the early hours of the morning when you went before God and you cried out to him for deliverance, where you were hidden in Jesus Christ. May I just be very blunt with you? Jesus Christ is my stronghold. He is the house of the Lord. He is the abiding place, John 15. Abide in me. Remain in me, Jesus is saying. He is the abiding place. He is the tabernacle. He is... He is my stronghold. He is the house of the Lord. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Verse 3, For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Jesus is saying, Look, fear is going to come into your heart when you're attacked. Flee to the stronghold, to the fortress. Come to the house of the Lord. Seek the Lord in his temple. Seek his face. And in the day of trouble, when everything seems to be wiped out and impossible, trust him to keep you safe in his dwelling. This works both for an individual, it works for a family, it works for a business, it works for a church. But we must flee to Jesus and be hidden in him. We must be hidden in the shelter of his tabernacle. And it says, and set me high upon a rock. Jesus is that rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. In other words, we have the victory. Sin no longer can rule over the life of a man or woman who has fled to the tabernacle of God who is given totally and fully to Jesus Christ, who has repented of all sin and no longer walks in rebellion against the Most High. You cannot dwell in the tabernacle of God. You cannot be sheltered in his tabernacle if you are walking in known rebellion against the Lord. And so then you have to find other hiding places. And so you find the hiding place of the television. You find the hiding place of your professional sports. You have a place in your life where you say, yes, this is reserved for Jesus, but then the rest of these parts of my life, I'm taking care of myself. You will not be safe in that place. You will not be safe in that place. You will be swept away, and your hidey cave will be washed away with you in it, and you will be lost, and you will go to hell, because there is no safety outside of Jesus Christ. Now he begins with a prayer Hear my voice. When I call, O Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. When you go in the prayer closet and you begin to read the scriptures, Psalm 25, Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. When you go in the prayer closet and you begin to pray and you begin to say, Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. You come with absolute assurance that he's going to instruct you in the way chosen for you. Verse 14, this is Romans 25.14. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. And the cry is, Turn to me, be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased? How fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope is in you. When you go in the prayer closet and you begin to pray these things before the Lord... And you keep your eyes on Jesus. He will release your feet from the trap you're in. He will release you from the snare you've been caught in. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. And my heart says of you, Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Do you see, this is revival prayer. This is where a man who has a heavy burden on his back, who is aware of his condition, who has not refused the rebuke of the Holy Spirit, who has not pretended that he is righteous when he is unrighteous. When he's willing to admit who he really is. When he's willing to confess his sin before God. And when his heart says, seek his face. Then seek the face of God. When you cry, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. O oh God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. See, revival is when I come to God with a humble heart and I begin to be terrified by the condition of my soul. When I begin to see the laziness and the slowness and the lack of compassion and the lack of concern for the lost and the dying, when I begin to see the impossibility of changing myself, when I begin to understand that the whole American church deal is false, because it comforts a man in his sin it says you're saved even though you're in sin a man went to his mother to try to talk with her about her salvation a heavy alcohol abuser And he tried to talk with his mother about the condition of her heart that she had to get right with Jesus later he found that his his wife had gone privately to her mother-in-law and had said to her don't don't listen it's not true you're saved You love Jesus. You can't lose your salvation. You're on your way to heaven. What wicked, wicked words to stand in the way and stop a woman from repenting for her sin. When I heard that story, it just broke my heart. This is the story of the modern church. Comforting. Comforting the people who say they belong to God in the midst of their sin. Why? Because they don't want to offend anyone. The church wants to be inclusive and bring everybody in. But if everybody comes into the church, the church will be like the world, and that's what we have today. And if the church is like the world, and the world is going to hell the church is going to hell too. Does that concern you? That burns my heart. And I say, Jesus, there has to be a revival. There has to be a true repentance. There has to be a turning from wickedness. There has to be a renouncing of self and sin. There has to be a renouncing of my life. And I must give it to you, Jesus. must be a place where we come into the tabernacle of God and we seek his face you know, if your face is one of the most intimate parts of your body I don't let anybody touch my face except my wife she's welcome to touch my face and I touch her face. Why? Because we love each other. There's intimacy between us. But I don't go to church and and instead of shaking my hands, have somebody cut my, cup my face with their hands. That just doesn't happen. That's not acceptable. Why? Because the face is the very essence of who we are. George Washington said that by the time or was it Abe Lincoln who said by the time a man is 40 years old he's responsible for his own face (laughs) we shape our face by our sin or by our righteousness I've seen sin etched so deeply into the faces of men that I have wept just looking at them And the Lord says seek my face seek my face do not turn your servant away in anger do not reject me or forsake me if you have no concern about God rejecting you or forsaking you you are either a saint or a sinner a saint has gone through the fire and through the valley of Baca and they've come to a place of confidence in Jesus but it's not prideful it's not arrogant it's humble but the one who has no fear of God who still walks in sin is a fool because they have no knowledge of who this righteous God is He says, verse 11, this is Psalm 27, verse 11, if you're just joining us. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path. That's the cry of a man or woman who wants to be made holy. Teach me your way, O Lord lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors do not turn me over to the desire of my foes for false witnesses rise up against me breathing out violence so in the midst of all the difficulty in the midst of everything being utterly undone and you see no way through you hide in the stronghold of God You repent of your sin. You turn from every evil thing. You find shelter in the tabernacle of God. And then you plead with the Lord in intercession and prayer. Do you have a burden for prayer? Is prayer something you can't help yourself? You just have to pray? You have to cry out to God. You have such a burden for the sin of your own heart that, like Christian in John Bunyan's book, you have to cry out and say, Oh God, what shall I do? I'm lost. I'm going to go to hell. Or have you found redemption in Jesus? And now there's a great burden of prayer on your heart for the lost with the unrighteous we are not saved by grace to live a normal American life we are not saved to settle back in the luxury of America we are saved from our sins and then to be made righteous that we can turn our eyes toward heaven And now everything we do, everything we say, is specifically oriented toward how do I build the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. The greatest false witness who will rise up against you and breathe out violence are the evil spirits, the demons, Satan himself. He will do everything to dissuade you from going on the journey, on the pilgrimage to the stronghold of God. Verse 13. I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of God, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. And he will deliver you. I'm wondering today, are you in a hard place? Do you need to be prayed for? Are you in a hard place because of your sin? Are you in a hard place because of the circumstances of your life? Have you made the decision to go on the pilgrimage? Is God your stronghold? I'd like to pray with someone today. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. Brother Kevin will answer your call and he'll put you right through. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Have you set your heart on pilgrimage? Is your heart broken? Have you been crushed? Or are you healed and now your cry is for the lost? Are you walking clean before God? If you need me to pray with you today, please call 877-534-0780. Now please understand, revival means a new level of obedience. It means I am turning From the casualness of this world, I am turning from the self-centeredness of my life. I am giving up my judgments of others. I am giving up my offenses that I hold against others. I am forgiving, and I am saying, I must have a new life in Jesus. I am not satisfied with the same old, same old. I want something new. I need Jesus. That's what happens when revival comes. But usually what happens as people hear revival preaching, they take offense because they don't want to deal with their sin. And they don't want their comfy place disturbed. And so they'll find every excuse, every accusation. They will delay in every way possible. I say this because I've done that too. But finally you come to a place where you say, I must have Jesus. I must have Jesus. Are you in that place today? If you are, call quickly, 877-534-0780. This Psalm 22, I'm sorry, 27, I have dated it. The first time I carefully read it was January 1, 1991, as I was reading the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. Then I have it dated. I date things in my Bible when they're significant to me. Every January, from then until now. And then I have notes, 2006, 2006. 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. So, do the math. I started waiting on the Lord in 1991. I've been waiting since then for revival, constantly praying, constantly seeking the Lord, I'm confident this is the year of revival. I'm asking God to turn the hearts of every one of you who is listening that you would not take offense at the message that you would not take offense at the call to repent. We have three calls. Well, let's take them. Hi, welcome. How can I pray for you?
3: Hi. Um I need desperately need prayer for my uh I have four adult children and um I don't know what is happening in their lives. Um we were, we brought them up in the church when they were little. We all went to church and Sunday school. But they're now in their um the youngest is in their 20s and, uh, and they uh the other three are in their in their 30s. But I don't know what has happened to their spirit. Um, I pray for them that they will turn their hearts back towards God. Um, I thank God that they're not bringing trouble, like getting, you know, they're not involved in drugs or any, any type of trouble with the law or anything like that. It's just that they're having such struggles with trying to make their lives count for something like, their jobs it's very difficult for them to it seems very difficult for them to get jobs I don't know if it's because of this area or what I have two of them are college graduates and two are not but they're all living with you two are the youngest one who just finished college uh, uh, a few months ago and uh, my son uh, but the other two are living together
2: okay and let me me ask you a quick question are you walking clean with Jesus?
3: Yes I am as clean and as i can try. i as clean as i I know how to i mean yes, I am
2: okay, let's pray
3: uh, I just had one other thing um, that was, I have one of the things that's very important is the one the my second daughter who just had a very major surgery uh, she had a tumor uh that grew up. Um, close to her brain, and she is very, very, very bitter. She was bitter before she had the surgery. That's what I'm really calling about her. I don't know how to pray for her spirit. She's very bitter um, about just life in general. She feels like, um, I don't know really what the problem is, but she's a, a very bitter. None of my children are married, not one But I have one married child, and this one is the second born. She's very bitter about my relationship with the youngest. She doesn't know why she's that way, but she's very bitter about that. She's bitter about uh, my relationship with her father. She said that we don't go anywhere. She doesn't know why we don't go out. And she said if this is the way marriage is going to be, be, she doesn't ever want to get married because we live a dull life. And um, just, she's just bitter. Um, I don't know. She should be thankful because the, the surgery that she came through was very major. She lost a lot of blood. She had to have a transfusion. And she really should be thankful to giving thanks to the Lord that he brought, brought her through a very, very serious surgery where they had to cut into her skull to get to the tumor. And that okay. was the problem. So I've been praying for her, uh, my church has been praying for her, but I'm i I'm asking for prayer specifically for her bitterness and that she will turn her heart towards God and, and, and what's and her ask first him, name? Jennifer.
2: Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know about Jennifer. Yes. And the fact that she's bitter is a sign to me that you're after her. And that she's in full-blown rebellion against you Lord she thinks she owns her life
3: yes she does I'm asking
2: Lord would you bring your Holy Spirit power to her heart and would you claim her for yourself and would you break through this bitterness in the name of Jesus I just declare the blood of Jesus over Jennifer now I ask that you will break this. I ask Jesus that you will redeem her, that you will claim her. For, Lord, you have a plan for her life. Yes, Lord. But this demonic presence has to be broken. And I break it now in the name of Jesus, and I stand by faith for Jennifer, not just for full healing of body, but for full healing of spirit, that you will transform and change her to become a powerful witness for you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. I pray Thank in your you. holy name. Amen. Amen. Lord, we're out of Amen. time, my sister. God bless you. Thank, Thank you, so you for much. calling. God bless you. You're welcome. You. Bye. We're we're just a few short seconds left in this broadcast. I'd love to hear from you. Please write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. There were several of you who called who did not get through. I will open the phone lines again tomorrow. I want you to call. I want to pray with you. My sister who just called now, if you'll call back tomorrow... We'll take more time and just some soaking prayer time. Jesus is our fortress. Stand by faith in him. You listen to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee. God bless you. I love you.